morning. <laughs> As already said, my name is Andina Wiley. For those of you who may be new or visiting, I'm the Director of Family Discipleship here at Christ Community. I've been on staff for about eight years, and my husband Jared and I have attended Christ Community for about 16 years. Um, we have four wonderfully energetic, fun children from ages three to 12. Most Sundays you will see us in the children's wing or on Wednesdays um, at the student ministries building. But we've always enjoyed having Christ Community as our home church. And I do wanna say I'm grateful right now for the encouragement I'm receiving from some of our youth in the audience, so thank you. So I'd like you to close your eyes and take a deep breath. What comes to mind when you hear the word joy? Maybe you see children laughing and playing. Maybe you see a family holiday gathering or a grandparent. Maybe you think of a cool fall day, which is what I'm hoping for tomorrow. Okay, you can open your eyes. So what were some of the physiological and emotional responses when you felt the word joy and felt, thought of those situations. Did you feel at peace? Did you feel warm? Most of you were smiling. We all have many different memories that come to mind when we hear the word joy or think of that emotion, but we've all felt it. A story that, a memory that came to mind to me when I did this with my, for myself was a time when I was a teenager. My older brother would come down to visit ever so often and we would have dinner and catch up. And to give you some backstory, my brother is nine years older than me, so he was already a working adult married at this time when I was in high school. But they would make a priority to come and visit. And after dinner, we would always usually find ourselves in the living room visiting, and I'd always have friends over at this point because they enjoyed him too. And he would always pull out his guitar. So something to know about my brother. He's very musically talented. So we would just throw out a song and he could find it and we'd sing along and then move on to the next one. And sometimes my mom would hop on the piano and play. He got his talent from her. Um, and so it was just a time of togetherness with my friends and family. It was a time of joy. So joy is something we don't always hear a lot about in sermons, but the word joy or words like it, like joyful and joyous and rejoice, they're mentioned 430 times in the Bible. It's a word often misused with happiness. Happiness is a fleeting emotion, but joy, it's a part of who we are. It's part of our soul, our inheritance. We just lose sight of it. I'm sure you can think of many verses that reference the emotion joy. In 1 Thessalonians 5, we're told to be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. James 1, 2 says, count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of many kinds. And Jesus said in John 16, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And we know we're told in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. I'll stop there, because I'm gonna assume you know them. We cover that a lot in that end. And then in Proverbs it says, a joyful heart is good medicine. And today, in a little bit, we'll cover more of the verse, the joy of the Lord 
is your strength in Nehemiah 8. But first, I would like to define the feeling of joy for us. It's a feeling of extreme gladness and delight or exultation of the spirit arising from a sense of well-being or satisfaction. So the feeling of joy can take on two forms. There's passive joy, which is more the tranquil contentment, and then there's active joy, and this is more of the emotion that you wanna share with others and the engagement of your environment. But both forms are associated with the increase of energy and self-confidence and esteem. Joy is an inner feeling, while happiness is an outward expression. People pursue happiness, but you can choose joy. So there's also health benefits to increasing having more joy in our life. Um, Studies show that it can help decrease chronic inflammation. It fights against stress and pain and can boost our immune system. Who knew? There's so many benefits to increasing joy in your life that there's even been a joy workout created. Have you tried one? Have you heard of this? I had not um, until coming across studying today, and I did it, and made me joyful. But I will say that I wasn't surprised to note that many of the motions that they have incorporated in this joy workout are things I've seen in worship my whole life. There's reaching of your arms, there's swaying, and then depending on if maybe you were in any charismatic circles in your life, like some of us, there's also shaking and jumping. So all of these motions help increase joy within us. I'm really enjoying this feedback right here at the front. (laughs) So even though we know as Christians, we are told to be joyful, sometimes situations or environment can cause us to lose sight of joy. I know as a child, I always had the tendency to want to be joyful and be in the middle of things and have everything be happy. And looking back, I think this was my way of trying to escape a lot of the turmoil that I was around growing up. Um, Also, I carried a lot of inner anxiety, and so I feel like this was a way for me to try and counterbalance that. Uh, In research for today, I came across an interesting study that says that humans have a negativity bias. So for the survival of our species, it was beneficial for us to know that there was a bear lurking in the cave, more so than it was to know there was a blackberry bush across the field. So knowing we are wired to forget the good and remember the bad is even more reason why we need to be mindful to have times where we practice gratitude and look for the joy around us in times like our prayer time. Now, Don't get me wrong, this is not about toxic positivity today. That was a concern that I've really worked through, especially with Artie, about this topic. To feel joy, we felt pain. You can't know one without the other. Now, I want to say that if you are in a season of grieving or a time of struggle, do not hear this to say today to not feel those emotions. We have to let those emotions come up and process them. God has given us the entirety of emotions, and we have to feel them. This is something that I have struggled with in the past, 
wanting to look to the more positive and push the harder feelings away. In the last few years, I've really been pressing into allowing myself to feel whatever emotions arise, depending on my situation. But what we want to do is remember, as our emotions ebb and flow and our situation changes, to find pockets of time to look for the joy around us, the things in our life that we have that are good, that God's given us. Sometimes we go through difficulties and the trial that we find ourselves working through is the thing sometimes that helps us understand joy on a deeper level. So oftentimes, if you've been around church for very long, you may have taken in some confusing messages regarding joy. I know I would hear things like, it was all working together, it came together perfectly, and we were all wonderful, we knew we were in God's will. But then I would know someone who truly felt they were in God's will and were really struggling. Or maybe someone was really in a season of struggle in their life and well-meaning people would question if they were in God's will. I think modern Christianity can sometimes set us up to think we can almost like isolate ourselves from life. Um, we will have hardship and seasons of life will happen. We'll have times where it feels like it's the spring and there's endless possibilities and everything's working out. And then we will have seasons of winter where we feel like nothing can go right. A song that I've been listening to in preparation for today has some lyrics that I wanna share. He says, I'm pulling on joy from heaven's reserve. He's stored up enough for every winter I'm served. I'm seeing beyond my circumstance. This joy that I have is my inheritance. But when we are in these times of struggle, it's important for us to look for the good in the midst of it. And that's what we see God instruct the Israelites to do in the Old Testament. He even told them to keep times of celebration. And today we're gonna to look at one of those times. So our text today is in the book of Nehemiah. And the people are at the beginning of a, the Feast of Sukkot, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. These terms are used interchangeably. So in case you're unfamiliar with the Feast of Tabernacles, some of you may be, it is a seven-day feast that God instructed the Israelites to keep. It happened at the end of their harvest time, and it was in remembrance of their time in the wilderness years after their exodus out of Egypt. This was a time when they were completely dependent on God's provision for them. And in this time, they would also build temporary shelters, also known as booths, which is why it hasn't also referred to as the Festival of Booths. And people, and Jewish people today who still celebrate this construct these temporary booths. We also see, um, we see the reference of the more agricultural nature of Sukkot referenced in Exodus, and the more detailed religious detail of it is in Leviticus. But I will say that we see joy referencing Sukkot multiple times. It's also become to know as the season of our joy. The word joy appears several times. And to be joyful at your feast, for the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest, in all your work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. This is in Deuteronomy 16. So today we are going to look at this celebration in the book of Nehemiah. So if you will turn with me, either in your Bibles or on your Bible app, to Nehemiah 8. And to give you some context for where we are in the book of Nehemiah, 
what has been happening is we are at, this is the third wave of the Jewish exiles coming out of Babylon. They've been in a lengthy exile for over 80 years, not 40, 80 years. Um, Nehemiah is acting as the governor of the people. He's seen, overseen the rebuilding of the wall of the city of Jerusalem. And Ezra is the priest and the scribe of the time. So here in Nehemiah 8, they have gathered all of the people to hear the reading of the law of the book of Moses. Now you may or might not know, the people of this time would stand when the reading of the law was read. So as I was reading this, and I see that it said that the reading lasted for several hours. So they were standing for several hours. I know we struggle to sit through 40 minutes, so this was hard for me to comprehend. But don't worry, I've timed it. I won't be 40 minutes today. So during this reading, the Levites, the spiritual leaders, they were, it says, helping the people to understand the word. So what this means is they were translating it. The law was written in Hebrew, and the people had been in exile for decades, over 80 years, so they were speaking Aramaic, the language of the Persian Empire. So they couldn't even read the law of their own faith, the text. So they've gathered them together, and they're reading, and we'll read in Nehemiah 8, 9. Then Nehemiah the governor... Ezra, the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Now, many commentators had different opinions about why the people may have been weeping. Several agreed that it could have been they were convicted they had not been living by the law of their faith. They hadn't had it. They'd been in another land and not, not allowed to read it, but yet also we know they didn't speak the language, so they weren't able to read it. Um, other thoughts are they could have been mourning for the time lost, 80 years away from their home city, the people lost during that time, the culture lost. And then in that process, as our emotions ebb and flow, their tears could have turned to tears of joy, thinking, we're finally here. Our walls are rebuilt. We're home. We hear the law of our faith. So the next passage says, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away and ate and drank to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. So here is where we see the well-known scripture, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It was made clear to the people, even though they were having other emotions, to be joyful. So were they being instructed to feel the emotion before their situation had completely changed? Or, as I studied more about Sukkot, this festival helped me realize they were in being instructed to do joy, to celebrate before they felt joy. Today, 
I would like for us to think about what it means for us when we hear this verse, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Hebrew word for joy is simha, and it's the root of it means happy, glad, or joyful. But simha can also be described as joy of a celebration. So we see that the people in the text are being told to celebrate with great joy, even though there was so much work to be completed. It, the text says that their houses hadn't been rebuilt. But they're told to step away, they're told to step away, take a time of rest to celebrate. Being told to take part in this week-long celebration of Sukkot that God had instructed them, and being instructed to celebrate, they were also being instructed to do one other thing, to share of their food and drink. You see, there were Jewish people in this transition back who were still struggling to start over, who had nothing. So they were being told, share of your resources. We're seeing two wonderful examples here of the Jewish people doing joy by celebrating and sharing of their resources. One source referenced the meaning for joy for Sukkot this way, celebration as the reality of freedom and the possibility of a radically different future. And this really applies to the people at this time. We can't even imagine what this must have been like to finally be back in their home city, to finally hear the text of their faith, to be free. We see here that they are also making a choice to trust and have faith God will continue to fulfill his promises to them. They know there were still things out of their control. Things were not perfect yet. But that is okay. It was okay for them to step back and rest and celebrate. And so I started to think about what does this look like for us? Do we carry the reality of our freedom with us every day? I loved, I didn't even know one of the songs that we were gonna sing today talked about our freedom. But what are we free from? As followers of Christ, we know we're forgiven, but do we enter each day free from the shame of our mistakes yesterday, free from the anxiety and the worry? In scriptures we're told, Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but in your freedom do not indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. In 1 Peter 2.16, as God's loving servants, you should live in complete freedom, but never use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Do we start each day knowing it's a new day and that our mistakes from yesterday are gone? We only have today. We're so conditioned to plan everything out. My calendar is filled through December and beyond for some things, but all we're promised is right now. Do we start each day new with those around us? Or do we hold on to the offense of, from someone of yesterday? A connection I could not leave out when looking at the topic of joy is the topic of faith. To be able to step away from the worries of each day and to be joyful takes a component of faith. Faith that things will be okay, that God is working all things for our good. The definition of faith is a strong belief or trust in someone 
or something, especially without proof or evidence. Well, we know in Hebrews 11.1, we're told, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. 2 Corinthians 5.7 tells us to walk by faith, not by sight. So what does the joy of the Lord is your strength mean for us? We find strength by doing the things that lead to joy. It takes joy, it takes faith to do the things that we know will lead to joy when we don't feel joyful. By having faith and trusting God is working all things for our good, we are able to find joy. So today I'd like to share with you some ideas to incorporate in your daily life to help create a rhythm of life to allow us to practice doing joy. Even if we may not feel joyful, we know these things can help lead us to joy. And first, we always want to start individually. We want to work here before we go anywhere else. And the first thing I have is prayer. Do you have a time each day where you step away and talk with God? A lot of times, Prayer can be a time where we recite our worries and we ask for our needs, and there is a place for that in prayer. But I have really been pressing into and learning some different forms of prayer in the last few years, and there are times in prayer for solitude and silence. How can we hear what the Holy Spirit wants to tell us if we're never quiet? Gratitude. Do you start each day taking a moment to think about what you're grateful for? And this isn't sometimes a component of some people's prayer. Being aware of the blessings in your life of what God's given you. This could be while you're driving to work, thinking of a few things, or if you're someone who likes to journal, writing them out in your journal. But taking a moment to really think through what are the things that you have that you are grateful for? Scripture, are you taking time to read God's word every day? Are you letting it form you? Do you have those verses that you can think of when you're having times of doubt and struggle that you can think to speak truth into that? Which leads us to our next recommendation of mindset. Knowing from research that we have a negativity bias, and if we aren't mindful to do as Paul wrote in Romans 12 too, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then how are we expected to have the things that we're promised in scripture, like peace and joy and love? We have to cultivate them. What are the seeds that you're planting every day? Are you planting seeds of anxiety and anger always worrying about the next thing coming up or finding offense with anyone that you come across? Are we, or are we planting seeds of love and joy? Being present. This one is a tough one for me. We all have our to-do lists. We have the things that we need to do, get done before certain times of the day or before the day's over. But being mindful to know who does God have in front of you in this moment. If you're at a lunch, who, is, who are you there with? Who is he calling you to be the hands and feet to? 
if you're being woken up at six in the morning by your nine-year-old, who is he calling you to love in that moment? <laughs> Whenever it is, being present. <sighs> or at 10.30 at night. Music, I love most genres of music. There's very few that I do not like. However, I am very mindful to know how it makes me feel differently. It affects my emotions. And when I'm in a low place and I'm ready to come out of it, I know what music I can reach for to help uplift my spirits. But if I'm, on, if I'm in a place where I need time to be comforted there, I also know what kind of music to have there. And then our next sphere of influence, sphere of influence is family. Our meal times. I know this one is tough. We all have very busy schedules. But even if we can set aside one day a week to protect having a meal together, being together, and trying to keep this time as much as we can a joyous time, focusing on maybe the good things that have happened in the week, let someone share a joke, share what you enjoy about each other. That may be hard for some, depending on your personality. An evening and bedtime. As a child, I always experienced a lot of anxiety at night. I had a hard time falling asleep, and so it was like this cycle I would get in. I would get nervous about bedtime. I couldn't fall asleep. And then, so having this time be a calm, tranquil time, the passive joy that we talked about earlier, tranquil and being content, setting the environment up in that way, whether it's you in your home, just yourself, or if you have little ones running around screaming and you're trying to calm them down. But we want to be mindful to send ourselves off to sleep in a more joyful presence. Experiences together. And let me know, fun shared experiences together. There is something about those shared experiences that bring us joy, not only in the moment, but when we remember them by ourselves and, in, and together, you know, like reminiscing with old friends. It's been neat to see the connection and how it's different with our middle school group after their shared experience of camp. And then our next sphere that we encounter is our friends or church body. And these ideas are the same as with your family, but to make sure that we're intentional to include this in part, as part of our life. I feel we do a great job here with our church. We have church potlucks where we come and gather and enjoy the food and talk and have fun. We, uh, some of our community groups do this. Ours today will be having lunch together, but a time where you can enjoy each other's company and just relax. Events, I think of our church fall festival. This is a time that everyone knows they're welcome to come, that we'll have fun and there's joy there. And then in our community, the outer area, the things we hear a lot about, serving and giving. Serving may look like signing up for the soup kitchen or the food and resource center. It may be you waking up your family or your spouse one Saturday morning and saying, let's go pick up the trash on our road today and serve our community that way. In giving, it can look like giving of your money and resources. If you come across someone who's in need of something, if you are able to help, helping in that way, it can also be giving of your time. If someone is needing to process something, giving your time to be present and listen. 
I came across a quote by a rabbi when studying about Sukkot that I will always carry with me and I wanna share with you today. A careful reading of texts regarding Sukkot reveals that what is asked for is not to constantly feel joy, but rather to regularly do joy, to do what brings joy to us and others, gathering with family and friends, celebrating with community, and sharing with those who are vulnerable or in need will bring feelings of joy as a result. While we can't reasonably be commanded to feel joyous under all circumstances, we can be commanded to do what brings joy, just as we are commanded to do what brings on honesty, justice, mercy, or any other quality of being that our faith values. So how are we to apply that to us today? As we look at these ideas that we can implement in different areas of our life, how is the Holy Spirit calling you to do joy? Where do you need to grow or want to grow? How are you being called to do joy today? So as we come to the communion portion of our service, and if you are new, we start at the back and come down the outer aisles and the center section will come down this aisle and go back around. But as we come to this time, there may be two groups of people here today. Some of you may have already have some ideas where you realize you need to be more mindful and more aware to do joy. But then there may be some of you that are grieving or maybe you're in a very difficult time. Allow the Holy Spirit to comfort you in this time of worship and reflection. And at the end of our service, our prayer team will be up here if anyone would like prayer. I pray this week we will all find ways and areas where we can do joy.